This is The Space Shot, episode 181 for November 11th, 2017. Jiminy 12 and my conversation with Jim Remar. Hey everyone, welcome to The Space Shot, your daily space history, pop culture, and news fix. I'm John Mulnix. Apologies for not getting yesterday's episode out yesterday. I spent way more time at the airport than I thought I would be doing, and for the life of me, I could not find a quiet place to record the episode before my flight left. Being stuck in an airplane for hours that's jam-packed with tired little kids coming home from Disneyland isn't exactly an ideal recording location either. At least my delay wasn't as irritating as the scrub for the launch this morning of the latest Cygnus ISS resupply spacecraft. A small plane violated the airspace around Wallops Island, causing a scrub in the moments before liftoff. For everyone that got up early for that launch, and for the teams that worked overnight, that's one heck of a bummer. For today's episode, I spoke with Jim Remar from the Cosmosphere about Jiminy 12, and he shared his thoughts about that mission. And he also shared his thoughts about some of our veteran astronauts, since today is Veterans Day here in the United States. We had to cut the interview short a bit because of a bad connection on my end, but it's still a great conversation and I'm happy to share it here. Today I'm talking with Jim Remar. I am sitting outside of the Griffith Observatory here in California, and we're going to be talking a little bit about Jiminy 12, which was the last manned Jiminy flight. Jim, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Great to be back. So for everybody that listens to the Cosmosphere podcast, you've probably heard Jim before. He, We've interviewed him a couple times for that podcast, so it's good to have you here. We're going to talk a little bit about Jiminy 12 today. That would be, you know, we've got Jiminy 12 there in the Cosmos, or Jiminy 10 in the Cosmosphere. My apologies there. Right. Um, what was different between those two flights? Um, the the primary difference um, was the the docking, um, rendezvous docking with the Agena, and then the EVA that Buzz Aldrin um, undertook. Uh, at, up to that point, uh, EVAs had been fairly problematic um, just because of the unknown and, and not knowing how to uh, work in, in that environment. And so uh, Buzz undertook uh, uh, some of the uh, new testing um, and really was the one who paved the way uh, to work in that environment and so uh, performed a, a near flawless EVA during that mission. Yeah, that's good that you mentioned that because that, that really had been a problem up until Jiminy 12. Um, I believe it was Gene Cernan who had issues just getting to the back of the spacecraft because they didn't even have like handrails or any of the things right, that are right. just taken for granted nowadays. Those weren't even developed back then. Right. You know, when, when Ed White and even Alexei Leonov prior to that uh, uh, did theirs, they, they just literally were, were floating out in, a, in that weightless environment. Um, when Gene Cernan undertook a, an incredibly aggressive EVA um, on his Gemini 9 mission, um, he, he nearly lost his life. Um, that's, that's how rigorous yeah. and hard uh, working in that environment was. So in Gemini 12, it was uh, Buzz Aldrin and then um, Jim Lovell. NASA, they would have the practice of typically flying a veteran as astronaut with a rookie astronaut. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of crazy to think that Buzz Aldrin was the rookie astronaut in this instance. Right. Well, in, you know, yeah, Buzz, Buzz was the rookie. Um, uh, but 
obviously a, a knowledgeable um, astronaut uh, and one who uh, had worked on the rendezvous and, and docking procedures as well as the EVA um, training. So um, well prepared for that mission. Earlier you had mentioned the Agena target, uh, target vehicle. Earlier this week, we were able to see one of the target vehicles that the Cosmosphere has in storage. And, it, you know, it was it was something I always imagined to be a little bit bigger until I saw it in person. And it just was kind of a shocking moment for me, I guess, just because I always assumed it was a little bit bigger than it actually is. Can you tell me a little bit about the Agena? Sure. Well, the Agena was, uh, was a, a launch vehicle. Um, and the objective uh, was to get the upper stage into uh, low Earth orbit. Um, that would be the target vehicle then that the Gemini uh, would need to rendezvous and, and dock with. And those two procedures were incredibly important to perfect for a successful mission to the moon. Without a rendezvous and dock, um, the mission would, would not have happened. And so Jiminy really uh, paved the way for those lunar missions, and, and it was that Agena uh, target vehicle um, that allowed the, the astronauts uh, to perfect those maneuvers. And so the, the Jiminy would find the Agena uh, and then maneuver towards it, and then ultimately uh, there would be a docking collar on that upper stage of that Agena that the nose of the Gemini spacecraft would then insert into that docking collar. And the Agena didn't always work as it was supposed to. <laughs> no, uh, unfortunately, uh, I, it, it would uh, malfunction. It, it malfunctioned on a couple of occasions. One, when the, the adapter, the, the shroud that was covering the docking collar, um, failed to fully remove and, and almost uh, look like an angry alligator <laughs> floating out there in space. Uh, and then the other was um, uh, Neil Armstrong's flight on, on Gemini 8, um, where a thruster um, on the Agena malfunctioned and, and started spinning the spacecraft. Um, fortunately, uh, uh, as, as those astronauts were cool under pressure, um, in part because of their training as, as fighter pilots or experimental pilots, uh, Armstrong was able to correct that um, and, and get out of that spin. But the Agenas, unfortunately, didn't always cooperate. So, Jim, let's talk about how did the Agena function on Gemini 12? It sounds like it went pretty swimmingly. It did. Uh, the, fortunately uh, for that mission, uh, the Agena did function well. Um, and, and Buzz was even able to uh, do an EVA out to the Agena. Um, so, uh, that mission was was as close to a, a textbook as you could get. They crammed a lot into the three days. <laughs> they did. They did. Being that it was the last uh, uh, mission of the Jiminy program, they had the astronauts, the crew, um, conduct numerous experiments and, and a lot of activity into a short window um, in an effort to, to get in all the, the uh, training they needed prior to the lunar missions. And it sounds like they all they accomplished all of the objectives that they needed to. Gemini was a was an incredibly successful mission as a whole, um, and and really was was the mission that uh, uh, allowed the U.S. to surpass the Soviets in the space race and and ultimately uh, get to the moon. Yeah, I mean it's it, it kind of gets overshadowed by Apollo, but there's a lot of a lot of technologies that were developed during that program that 
you know, we wouldn't have had Apollo if it wasn't for Jiminy. So it's right. good that they were able to close out the program so strong. One other thing I want to just ask you about, tomorrow is Veterans Day here in the U.S., and there's a lot of astronauts that are veterans. The current commander of the International Space Station, Randy Bresnik, he's a um, colonel, I believe, in the Marine Corps. Um, and then going back to, you know, the original Mercury 7, they were, they were pretty much all military test pilots up until the right. shuttle program. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I, I think at least early on and, and even to this day, the military provided uh, incredible training for those who, who ultimately became astronauts. And especially um, in the Mercury, Gemini and, and Apollo days, um, almost all of those astronauts, the early astronauts were either fighter pilots or test pilots. Um, and, and it was that attitude and mentality uh, that helped them become uh, the astronauts that, that paved the way to the lunar landings. Their training um, allowed them to have a confidence that was needed, uh, a cool um, demeanor under pressure uh, that was definitely needed, and a, and a can-do attitude and, and really a, a lack of fear. And all of that combined um, allowed the, the former military aviators and pilots uh, to be some of the, the best and the brightest astronauts. And without their experience in the military, um, they probably wouldn't have had the success um, that they did as an astronaut. I couldn't agree more. Jim, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Absolutely. My pleasure as always. I'm looking forward to future discussions with people at the Cosmosphere here on The Space Shot. If you'd like to know more about the Cosmosphere, check out the podcast that I produce for them. I've also got more interviews with people in the space community coming up, but between traveling and meshing schedules for the people that I'm going to be interviewing, it's been a little bit difficult to get those nailed down for an exact interview date. I'm grateful to everyone that has joined me on this journey. Tomorrow is the halfway point for producing and recording a daily podcast, and it's hard to believe I'm at this point. Between the podcast here and the Cosmosphere podcast, I keep myself pretty busy, and it's one of those things that I really don't even consider at work. It's something that I enjoy doing every day and look forward to doing each morning when I wake up. So it's hard to think of this as work when it's something that I enjoy doing so much. So thank you all for joining me here. In addition to working on the podcasts, I'm also writing a presentation that I'll be giving at the Cosmosphere next April, and I'll be posting more about that in the coming months. Since you're here, why don't you let me know what you think of the podcast by leaving a review in iTunes. It takes just a minute to do that, and it makes a huge difference because it helps even more people find the show. As always, the show notes have more information on today's episode. You can hit me up on Instagram and Twitter. Find me at John Molnix. I'm always up to chat. You can also connect with me on Facebook. Just search The Space Shot or click one of the links in the show notes. Tomorrow, Voyager 1 and a Titan flyby. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side.